welcome to So You Want to Be a Real Estate Agent. If you are trying to evaluate whether real estate is the right career for you, wondering whether you're doing the right things to launch into quick success, or looking for tips and tools you can use today to become a more productive agent, this is your podcast. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Real Estate Agent. This is episode 21, and I'm Meredith Fogel along with Valerie Hernois. And today we are going to start part one of our geofarming series. Um, And this is an unabashed plug for my new book I have coming out called Farming for Real Estate Agents. Comes out on January 12th. Today is the 4th, so just a few more days counting down here. And one of the things that we're going to do is to post a quiz on our show notes page. Uh, The quiz is going to be, is geofarming right for you? And it was kind of interesting when I posted on um, the Real Estate Mastermind Facebook page, which has like hundreds of thousands of agents who um, are part of that page, what quiz people would want to take the most. Geofarming was by far the top selection. So I thought it was really interesting because I thought there were a couple of other really cool topics too, but people love this idea and rightly so. So we'll talk more about why. Thank you for listening. Happy 2021. Hope everybody's 2021 is off to a good start. Valerie, is your, your I know. Goodbye 2020. Yes, yes, yes. I know. I feel like it's one of those, I'm not a person who thinks like we flip the switch on the year and everything's like, yeah. Oh my God. Donald. Okay. Those that don't know us. Meredith is just like my husband, like their personalities. Donald said exactly the same thing. He's like, what's the difference between December 31st, 2020 and January 1st? And I'm like, stop. It's a whole new slate. And he's like, no, it's not. It's like 24 hours. And you're just saying the exact that same thing. So- Funny. That is so funny. You know what? Whatever gets you through the day. Like, yeah, exactly. If you want to believe it's a whole new slate, that's, that is awesome. And hopefully we do have some good hopefulness coming into 2021. All right. Exciting stuff, as always. So if you didn't listen to episode 20, I have a quick review for you, as we always do at the beginning of each show. That show was the end of our Being a Great Buyer's Agent series. And that was all about guiding the buyer through the purchase process. We talked about setting expectations, referring your buyers to specialists, negotiating the offer, the home inspection, settlement. And we hope you got some great tips. People gave us awesome feedback about that series. So we appreciate that. So today, we are about to give you the secrets to our success, which we have achieved through geofarming. Like we said, this is part one of a multi-part series. And in the book I mentioned earlier, Farming for Real Estate Agents, we go really in depth into everything we will touch on in this series. And we also walk you through all of the lead generation systems. Um, We're going to mention them during the series, but if you really want to follow along closely, get the step-by-step interaction. Um, I even have a workbook that's going to be available online, or if you order a print copy of the book, the workbook is obviously in the book you can really go much deeper into this, but we're going to kind of guide you through the basics of it in this series. And on the next show, we will share information about how to order the book and how to access the workbook and systems. As always, we're going to begin with a quote, and this one is from one of the famous farmers who contributed to the book. This one is from an agent named Debbie Drummond. Debbie is a top producing agent in Las Vegas, and she is known as the Las Vegas Home Pro. She was one of the rainmakers that I interviewed for the book. And as you'll see, when you you read the book, I have rainmakers from all across the country who were kind enough to be interviewed and share the secrets to their success. There's some really cool, cool information in there. Her quote is very simple. Uh, My final question when I interviewed Debbie was to ask her whether there was anything she would have done differently as she developed her very successful real estate business. And she answered, I would have started farming sooner. 
And I think that is a place that a lot of agents get to at some point in their career, whether it's just they want to put fewer miles on their car, they want to have more time, they want to have a better guarantee in terms of their lead generation success. Geofarming is the success strategy to which many agents turn and understand its success. And Valerie and I have been harnessing the power of real estate farming for more than 20 years, and we've used it to build an award-winning career throughout those years. We actually work in one of what we would consider one of the most sought-after areas of the Washington, D.C. suburb. It's called the Kentlands. We both live here, and we both built really strong relationships within the community which, as you'll hear um, as we walk you through this, is a huge part of developing a real estate farm. Most real estate agents strive kind of throughout their careers to find consistent and reliable success and results. And we've talked about kind of that wave pattern that we often see in real estate agents' careers where they're busy, 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 and they're like, oh my gosh, I've got nothing. Busy, 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 I've got nothing. And the systems that we use as real estate farmers and by just the virtue of the nature of real estate farming, we tend to see a lot fewer of those vacillations in business um, than most agents do, I think. So my goal in, in writing the book was to provide a quick, effective, and really focused path to success for potential new and struggling agents and to help them make more income with less effort. I think it's also a much more efficient way of running your business And also to help agents create instant differentiation amongst a vast field of competitors. When you are the the local expert, you're immediately differentiated and much more attractive to most buyer and seller leads. So a few key points to consider as we go through this first part of the series. The more global communication becomes, the more important local expertise becomes. People really rely on the local agent for a number of reasons we'll talk about. Then because of that, the real estate agent who becomes the local expert has provable value over the incoming discount or tech brokerage competition. Local expertise also provides potential clients with the knowledge that their agent has the inside track, which is super important in a tight market. We often know about listing inventory that hasn't hit the market yet, and we can provide our clients first access to that inventory. Uh, And by becoming the local expert and building relationships with the local community, you can give yourself, and more importantly, the upper hand in the market. And we'll talk about why that is the case as well. So during this series, we are going to walk you through exactly how to become that local expert. And this is going to be, you're going to want to have your your notepad ready because we've got lots of nuggets to share. Valerie, how important do you think geofarming has been to our business? Well, you know, it's funny, like during my open houses, I feel my hook is always that I am in the community. I didn't know I was farming. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, you know me, I always fall into things by dumb luck, but they work. (laughs) You plan it ahead and then you prove that it was right. But it's so weird. That's my hook. Like I've had people that meet me in an open house a year before and they remember my story of how I love the school, how I love the neighborhood, how I love one street more than other. So I think in a weird kind of way, I kind of backed into it and I didn't know. But yes, it's so it's like that value that you can show because there's 5 million agents. So my hook is, yes, I live in the community and we're lucky that we both actually love the community. Like I love selling things that I like Yeah, because you can definitely like connect with people about you're enthusiastic about it. You share, you know, hundred percent. I think people feel that passion. Totally. Yes. Yes. And it's, I mean, it's it's like charisma. It's attractive and it's not, and like you said, it's, it's genuine, right? So like we don't have to sell 
the community, we have to be able to articulate the benefits of Correct. living here. But when you feel that extra passion that we really truly believe, like I always say, like I feel like this is the best place I could have raised my children. Exactly. You, you know what's funny? So I have a funny story. I was holding the house on Lake Slot. Yeah. Um, open and someone with an agent came in. Their agent wasn't with us. And I'm like, I love the neighborhood. This, you can see my house from here. I talked forever with her. Then months go by and suddenly at the swim team, this person comes to me and goes, I bought a different house. She already had an agent. She's like, because you talked your husband, you talked my husband into this community. He's like, he didn't love it at all. They live down the street from me and Shefeli. Um, oh my God, the... I forget their last name now, but it was so interesting that I've always thought, mm, I wish I could have sold them the house, but I literally, without knowing, sold them on the neighborhood. And she said, after we went to your open house, then he was convinced. That's so so I thought that was so neat. Yeah. yeah. yeah so without is. me even knowing I was doing it, I was just doing, you know, telling right. them exactly what I thought. And for sellers, I mean, that's a huge service yep. that an agent who doesn't live in the neighborhood can't provide. Right. And for buyers, right, buyers exactly. who come in and... I mean, they want to know the nuances. They want to know what makes the communities different. And when you hire a local expert, we yep. really are able to say, you know, from one neighborhood to the next, even the little nuanced differences between the Kentlands and Lakelands, which yes. adjoin each other, to be able to go into that level of detail makes them feel like they're really getting value that they just couldn't get and they can't get it. Yeah, it's funny. Like I have a client, Mike, he calls me and he's like, what's the story with this house, Valerie? Like, he's like, you know everything. I'm like, oh, that one had blah, blah, blah. So it's really funny because, I mean, without even knowing it, you become the expert. So, yeah, I mean, these the other thing is appraisers. They will call you when they know that you're the local expert. So for sellers, it's actually a huge benefit. I haven't even thought about talking about this today. But for sellers... If you get a price that is way beyond comps and you're just crossing your fingers that that price is going to come through, the appraiser knows that you're the area expert and you know how to price and you know how to negotiate. And if they've already called you a bunch of times to pick your brain about what about that house and is there anything I'm missing because they're trying so hard to establish an appraisable price for a property that isn't the one you're selling – those relationships you build help you because, you know, you like the people, you want them to build a relationship with them, but it helps your sellers when it comes time right. to get their house. Like, raised. remember when we had that house on Firehouse and we had a Bethesda agent yes. that was giving us a price and she couldn't understand why it was so high yeah. when the local agent knew. Right. So it was so funny. You, the, the buyers were at a disadvantage because their Bethesda agent was just looking at the numbers and not understanding the neighborhood. Exactly. I thought that was so interesting. Exactly. And they lost the house, remember? Yep. All right, so let's talk about what a real estate farm or a geo farm is. So like a traditional farm, a real estate farm is a limited geographic area in which you concentrate your business. In this case, in the case of real estate, you're concentrating your lead generation efforts and your entire business in a limited geographic area, usually a neighborhood, a subdivision, but it doesn't have to be, but that's that's what we normally see. But being a successful real estate geo farmer means much more than that. We've talked about the fact that the real business of real estate is, at its core, the business of lead generation. A successful agent has to be a master lead generator, which we call a rainmaker. Uh, And real estate farms, as I said at the beginning, are among the best lead generation tools. There's a lot of cross-pollination when you're a real estate farmer, which just naturally makes that that harvest, as I call it, of your your listing and buyer crops that much more um, fertile. And that is why so many of the most successful agents farm for business. 
A really well-run farm will provide an almost endless supply of prospects, which will yield eventual return, repeat, and referral business. So let's talk first about how you go about selecting a farm. So first I say, choose with your heart. So like Valerie said, you really do want to be passionate about the area that you're farming and you need to know a lot about it too. So it has to really be in your heart. Um, That's why a lot of real estate geo farmers live within their farms. Right. I don't know if I would say the majority do, but, but a whole lot of them do live within their farms. Uh, You also need to be able to be involved in your area, which of course is much easier to do when you live in the farm area. Mm -hmm. Involved doesn't just mean like on the Facebook group. Involved means out in the community, walking the streets, sponsoring mm-hmm. events, volunteering with different organizations. We've talked about a lot about how we do all of this, but you really do have to be personally out there, belly to belly with the people in your farm if you're going to be successful. You could also try farming a community adjacent to, nearby, or a similar neighborhood to the one in which you live. I've even known geo farmers who live in a particular condo building, right? Like in Bethesda, there are these high rise, beautiful, um, very high price point condo buildings and their farm is their building. And sometimes when they saturate, yeah, sometimes when they saturate their building, they'll move to the next building or another building ever. They don't live in that building, but there's enough, you know, cross reference between the two or enough similarity between the two that they can successfully jump to another building as their farm. So you, the, the hard part is, is a big part of it, but you also have to choose with your head. And how do you do that? So you've got to figure out, first of all, is the farm area enough in terms of market volume annually to support your business goals? So this is kind of a personal decision, but if you want to be a dominant agent, which a geo farmer really should strive to be, you need to make sure there is enough turnover in your market area. We have kind of like the, the unicorn neighborhood here where we have this new urbanist development that is a mix of anything from apartments, condos, all the way up to million dollar plus homes. So because of that mix, we have a lot of movement within the community. And because of our area, we have some good transients. I have to say this area of all the places I've lived is the most turnover. Right. Which it's perfect. For. Yeah. So because of that, we do have enough volume in mm-hmm. terms of sales to support a pretty aggressive business goal. Now, if you're not sure, what you really need to do is go back and do some analysis of the area you're considering farming in to make sure that the area will support your goals. And I walk you through all of this, including the steps, the calculations, how to research the information in the book itself. Uh, but you do want to go back and you know research sales data history, how many sales there were, what the volume was, go back like a five-year period and see whether if you can capture 10% market share, does that answer, you know, right. perspective is that that's the only source of business you have just for purposes of this exercise. Does that support your income goals? If you, do you need to kick it up to 15%? What about 25%? If you got to 50%, what would it look like? So those are some things to analyze as you're getting into it. The other piece you need to do is vet the competition. <laughs> is there room for a new agent to enter the market area? Oh and this is a conversation I have with so many agents that I work with and coach who really want to geofarm, but they'll say, but, you know, Mary Smith has been dominating that farm for the last 35 years. And I'm like, well, how old is Mary Smith? Because if she's been working right. for 35 years, sounds like she could be on her way out. Well, no, she got licensed at 18. Well, okay, well, but maybe not. So you've you got to think about right. different things. So what are the signs that somebody, is that a farm area might be a place that somebody could break into? One is 
If there's only one dominant agent, chances are people want an option. Right. At least some people want an option, right? Like that's, that agent is not the right fit for everybody. Often you'll see a farm that has one dominant agent and then a whole ton of different agents doing all the rest of the transactions with nobody doing more than like one or two additional transactions. That is a, an area that is prime for another agent to come in and try to farm. If there's no dominant agent, so a lot of times, I feel like in this area especially, if you look at, at sales history, you'll see that it's, you know, 12 agents. Different names. Right. Yeah. Which is so odd to me, right? Right. So those are people who are either working with people that they just know, people who are giving them some kind of a discount. I don't know where those people come from, but right. again, that would be a ripe farm for somebody to break into. If a, a dominant agent has falling market share, that's a good sign too. So again, this takes a little bit of analysis, walk you through it all in the book, but you go back and you research agent history. And I have a really kind of cool graph in the book that shows you my first five years, I think I did in the farm, how my market share changed. So I did an analysis of the top four agents at the time. There were four who were all kind of like vying for market dominance. Right. And I had, I have a graph that shows you how they moved, how one fluctuated, how one, you know, kind of started to disintegrate. Um, and I analyzed looking back in retrospect, I was able to analyze what the missteps were that those other agents made that gave me the in to come in and dominate this market. Uh, but I wrote this all in retrospect. So I right. didn't do any of this analysis that I'm giving you guys the foresight to do as you're breaking into a farm. But looking back, I would have probably seen the writing on the wall for at least one of these agents at the time who gave me the, the open door to step in and take over this farm. Um, what about farming a new construction community? So I always think this is an interesting concept. Do you know anybody, Valerie, who's done this? No, not really. New construction is hard because you're kind yeah. of competing with the builder a little bit. But so you're almost farming long term because yes. those people are just starting new and they don't even think in their future they're going to be moving. So they might be a little bit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. That's a this is a long game. This yeah. is not like a, a tomorrow you're going to be the top agent in the community because you're right. Even all resales, all sellers are competing right. with the builder. And you as an agent are competing with the builder. But as we're going to kind of demonstrate as we walk you through this a little bit today, when you go in collaboratively to work with the builders of a new community, you will give yourself a good leg up um, and the possibility of becoming the geofarmer for that community. So here's how you do that. And it's actually a relatively easy way to establish yourself as the expert in a newly built or to be built community. This is the interesting story here is in the Kentlands, when Kentlands was built, and for the first, like, probably, I don't know, 18 years of the community, there were two dominant agents, Mary Charters and Judy Helen. Okay. So Judy Helen was my mentor. You've heard me mention her before, and I dedicated my book to her. She was Kentlands' original um, resident realtor, so she coined Everybody that Everybody has a Judy story. Everybody yes. has a Judy story, <laughs> yes. And Judy was competing with Mary Charters. Mary Charters was the original builder's rep. That's true. I forgot about that. Yep. So, so she, that's how she did it. Yes. So that's how she did it. So this story I'm about to tell you is a little bit of what Mary Charters. So Mary Charters was at Keller Williams when I started at Keller Williams. Right. And Mary gave us sort of the play-by-play -play on how she broke in to the Cantlands community at the time. And Judy was smart enough to see that there was just one dominant agent when she moved in 
And that person was still selling new construction for about half of the, her business, if not more. So Judy popped in as, I'm not the new construction agent. I'm right. your neighbor, your friend, your trustworthy partner and got market share that way. But this is, is kind of the story that I learned from Mary and it, it's actually very smart. So if you can do this, this, remember she was one of the builder's reps, but then what she did was she broke off from the builder's rep, became her own agent as a builder's rep, became her own agent and then maintained her relationships with the other builders reps and got an inside, like an inside track into everything that was happening in the community and ramped that up into becoming right. a farm area uh, rainmaker. So here are the kind of basic steps for this. And of course, as I said, I dive into this in much greater detail in the book. First, visit the builders early and often and learn everything you can about the new community. So you want to grab like, what are the models? What are the floor plans for each model? What are the options for each model? And then you don't want just like the basics. That's all great right. to get. And if you can, get your hand on floor plan, hands on floor plans. Builders are pretty proprietary about floor plans these days in a way that they never used to be. But if you can get them. People love them. Get yeah. them. Yep. Find out fun facts too. Like why are the streets named what they are? It's so interesting to right. find that out. What's the history of the land? Was there a charrette that happened in order to like figure out what the plan for the land? What, did it go through several phases of ownership? Were there any obstacles? Is there conservation or that's exactly space? the hook you need for people to know? Oh my god, she knows everything! Like yes. more, more, like yes. to be dependent on you yeah. for sure. That insider stuff, exactly. Yes. And people just like that too. You know, as you're like driving around with them, showing them the neighborhood when right. you like sprinkle in little interesting stuff like that. For sure, it's just entertaining to them. Um, and then the infrastructure, right? So is there a downtown area or is there one planned? What are the amenities? Is there an HOA? Um, you know, is there going to be a pool? Is there going to be a park? What's going to be a part of the community? All of those things. And remember when you're, when it's new construction, this stuff hasn't been built yet. So you're creating a, a, an image in the prospective purchaser's minds about what it's going to be. Right. And then ask the builders when you're going in to, to talk to them. Again, don't put yourself out there as their competition. Put yourself out there as someone who's going to help them sell their product. So a great idea, and this is something Mary did, is to say, can you just let me know? Like when you find out whatever. So sometimes they'll be like, well, you know, there it could be a Harris Teeter and there it might be a Whole Foods. We're not really oh, sure what's going in. Yeah. Well, could you could you let me know? Do you mind? Because I really want to help you sell your community. And we know everybody loves both of those stores. So if you can let me know, I will put it out there. I will drive buyers to your model um, and hopefully help you make more sales. So then they'll be like, yeah, cool, because it's going to put money in their pocket. They don't care if there's an agent involved or not. That's right. already built into the price of the new construction home. So then when they give you that information, help your help establish yourself as the go-to agent by putting it out there to everybody. Some farmers, and of course, this is way after Mary's time. So people who do this now in new construction will set up a social media page, like a Facebook page, just dedicated to the new community and post every time there's an update. They'll blog about it. They'll put pictures. They'll go driving around and take a video. Yeah, I know some Bethesda agents because I was looking at some houses. For some reason on the MLS, yeah. they're the contact. Yes. So when I call them for some other detail, he's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm just there for if you wanted to see the house. Right. But for all that other yeah. stuff called the builder. And I was like, what? So they yeah. must have some sort of agreement. Yep. Some of the smaller builders, even some of the larger builders. Yeah, too, it was but a larger yeah. builder. If you I get surprised. In with that kind of a, a builder, that relationship, you can, yep. you can certainly make that happen. Um, consider a newsletter. You could do like a constant contact community newsletter that goes out to everybody. And again, I'm telling you to send it out to the people you know your sphere 
Other agents too, though, because you want other agents to start to recognize you as the primary agent who knows the most about that area. Because then what happens is when they have a buyer who wants to buy in the new community and you are looking for a seller, you're going to start sending out your buyer looking letters, which is a system we'll talk about later in the series that will unlock and turn over seller inventory for you, giving you your first listings in the farm area. Speaking of who to to advertise to, collect contact information for every resident who moves into the community. How do you do that? That's the million dollar question, right? So here's how I will tell you. You find out either from the builder or on the MLS who who moves in. What is not on the tax records? Usually a phone number and email address. It's just the names. So what you can do is start going door to door. And this is super easy to do in a new farm area because there's not that many people and you can add a few more each month as people move in with a welcome package. And you just say, hey, I just want to welcome you to the new community. I'm like the agent who does a lot of resales here. I live right here. And this is one of the tips here. Consider purchasing in the new community. If you live there, that's even a better testimonial for your passion about the community. And give them your information and say, I'm a resource for whatever, you know, or I, I know we're all waiting to find out whether that store is going to be a Harris Teeter or a Whole Foods. I have been promised first knowledge of what that is going to be. Right. Do, are you interested in knowing? Well, and also if they've dealt with the people at the model home, you can mm-hmm. be like, hey, Sandy, yes. like, I love that whole name dropping. Yep. Not in an obnoxious way. Yep. But it's like, oh, Sandy, tell her Valerie told you, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And that way, it's so funny. Like people, it becomes, even though you're not familiar, it becomes familiar. It does. Like, oh, of course, Sandy said Valerie, you know? Yeah, you're exactly right. And then there's like that built-in extra level of trust as well. Right, exactly. So then if the person says to you, yeah, I'm I'm wondering that too. Let me grab your email address really quickly. I promise you I will spam you. I'll just email you quick when, you know, I find out what's going in there. So now you've got their names, you've got their address, you hopefully have an email address for them as well. And then they become part of your database for that farm. Again, don't spam, don't turn them off, be a resource, go find them on social media and friend them so that, but make sure you send them the information before you put it out on social media because you said you'd give them first knowledge. And then they will begin to see you as somebody who they can rely on for reliable information about the farm area. Um, And then when you start doing transactions, so whether you are helping a buyer buy a new construction property in that community or whether you're listing a house in the community, advertise the heck out of every listing and sale that you have there. You can start with the market update piece. So you can start letting people know how the property values are doing in the community. The other little secret in here, and we're going to talk about this when we get into our absentee owner system, one of the farming lead generation systems that we'll cover is collect absentee owner information. So in any new construction development, there is a large contingent of investors who just purchase blocks of townhomes. Sometimes you will see the same name over and over and over again in most new construction developments, especially early on, because they're getting in at the bottom of the market. They'll keep, they'll rent, but at some point they'll sell. Again, this is a long game, but when you have their information, so if you can find out the address and you have to kind of watch the public records they will put on there at some point where the owner actually lives so make sure that you're adding them to your system and flagging that as an absentee owner so that you can keep that person updated because they often have no idea right and that person might be in colorado or whatever but yes exactly 
And then you also have knowledge that there's a tenant in that property. Right. So exactly. You offer to help them re-rent the house. When they go to sell it, you're the person they're going to come to. And, you know, ideally you get that tenant too as your buyer right. and help them purchase. Anything to add on the, the selecting your farm piece of this, Valerie? No, well, I was thinking, it's funny, I was thinking way back when I moved here, you guys were, you, Mary was still here, yeah. and then you were pretty um, prominent in the neighborhood as well, and I was like, well, I mean, I love this neighborhood, I would love to sell this neighborhood, but I had to find my own little niche yeah. of, first you have to be strategic as not to be annoying, like, I'm going to come in and blow it up or whatever, right. so you need to be realistic. Yeah. So again, my strat, my thing of 100% of zero is zero, or do I want... So that's when we started working together, and yes. that's how I think I ended up more on the buyer side, which is more my style anyway. But it was almost working off your farm. You know what I mean? Like maybe you gave me a little lot in your farm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yes. like giving someone, okay, then here's your own little plot. And that's why, here's your yeah, and that's why when I, it's funny because we've grown from one to 10 agents or something. Yeah. And I'm never ever like threatened in a way because as long as you work your little plot of land. <laughs> That's all you can worry about. Like, I cannot worry about the other people farming around me in the same place. Right. So I can only do what I can do. Yeah. So it's weird. So I feel like it's hard to come in and just, right, do it big time. But so don't think big time. Think realistic and just just nudge your little foot in the door. And, so smart. Yeah. And then again, I'm farming here, but I get the parents of someone here. The parents, So the farm yeah. kind of sprouts a little bit more in the area right right but again it's almost like a little plat from your lot so that can be successful too you know what yeah. i mean and that can be satisfying as well as opposed to thinking you have to have the whole you know yeah in fact because that's gonna be hard it, back to like a real true farm analogy i mean most Correct. farmers they started with you know a few acres exactly farmed it sold their crops and then bought more acreage and, right. you know, farmed those and then rotated their crops and, and expanded, expanded, expanded. And then actually at the end of this, we talk about expanding your farm when we get to the right. end of So I feel series. there's a niche for everyone yep. within the farm, yep. basically. Yep. So because exactly. sometimes we're surprised of who chooses who or whatever, because yeah. you never know what's what people are looking for. But as long as you've done your work, which is what? Yep. That you're present. They remember your picture, your name. They know you live here. Like I tell everybody, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So... Yep. Yep. And that is um, really going to be a, one of the focuses of our next episode is creating that visibility in the farm. So I use the, the farm stand um, <laughs> metaphor in my book. You got to have a farm stand that's visible. That's a big piece of it. Meredith is always out working the farm. I'm always, I'm always out. I'm about standing she, in my field. You would have been those people in, what is it, Jamestown? <laughs> I would have been the people that died that first time in the winter, and then I would have learned my lesson. But you would have been, like, kicking butt on your farm. <laughs> you and Donald would have killed it. You would have. Which we always say exactly what I always say about getting dressed, putting up makeup, and going yes. out. If you do that March, then you have business in June, which is your farm yeah, stuff. That's the farm. Because I always tell Donald, if it, and I would do the work. I mean, I'm not as enterprising, but if I know I'm not eating in March, I will wake up January and do the farm stuff. You know what I mean? Yes. Exactly. So I do have that kind of mentality. Yeah. 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 Only because I know that I don't want to be punished. You guys do it because you're enterprising and you love the crop. I do it because I need the crop. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which is fine. Like, whatever is your exactly yeah, motivation. Yeah. yeah, mine is fear. Yours is like entrepreneurship. <laughs> but anyway, but that is actually like a perfect segue into what our next episode is going to be. So next time we're going to be doing part two of our geo farming series, and that is going to be all about planting the seeds. Yes, and the seeds are obviously the most important piece of this strategy. Those seeds are the relationships that you build, how visible you are, and how well you advertise your success, and also shoring up your farm area knowledge. So we will continue this next time. So remember, the book Farming for Real Estate Agents comes out January 12th. You'll be able to get it on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble, anywhere books are sold. Um, I'm also, I've just finished editing and recording the audio book. So that'll be available on Audible whenever they accept it, probably about five days after I think the book is published. Uh, And we will be sharing lots more secrets of the country's most successful farmers. So as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Happy holidays, happy new year. And as always, I am Eric Fogel along with Valerie Harnwong. And this has been So You Want to Be a Real Estate Agent. We'll see you next time. Bye. We are so grateful you joined us today on So You Want to Be a Real Estate Agent. If you're still not sure real estate is the right career for you, tune in to our next episodes. If you're more sure than ever, tune into future episodes for more tips, tools, and insider secrets that will help you launch into productive action and achieve quick success. Just a reminder that we love reviews. Please let us know what you like best about this podcast, what we could do better, ask us questions, or send us show ideas. Check out our show notes page for our contact info or visit our website, therealestaterainmakers.com, for access to the tools, tips, systems, and other great resources we mentioned on the show. I'm Meredith Fogel. And Valerie Harnell. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.